how how do you believe a word out of the system's mouth? It's so corrupt. What get? You remember that paper you did, um, and it was titled "What You'd Have to Believe If You Believe This." And I, yeah, it escapes me now. But what you would have to believe if you believe a vaccine is beneficial. There's got to be a list of many, many things there that, I mean, they just don't add up, do they? Uh, no, they don't. You know, speaking what? of normalcy, Go ahead. speaking of, yeah, speaking of normalcy, um, getting back to normalcy would simply be the republic standing up and resisting um, the entrenched bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. That, that would be getting back to normal. But yes. acquiesce, the, the person that walked into your office is a classic mm-hmm. example of what Christianity has become mm-hmm. and what America has become. The acquiesce capital of the world Absolutely. while all the rest while all the rest of the nations of the world let me ask this question all of how do i want to ask it it's probably more of a statement than it is a question but god did ask the question um and the question was, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and I can't remember exactly where it's at, but the paraphrase is that, what is it that you have found in me that has made you throw me off? Um, and, and in the same vein, he, he also remarks that the people of the world all over the nations they retain their gods and i want you to think about that china still has its god doesn't it yes every other nation the indians still have their god their Mm -hmm. gods but we throw ours out but we throw ours out in order to acquiesce and get back to normalcy and i've been thinking about this a lot as well just how the american citizenry has been totally and quite frankly it should be stated what it is the american christian is still only a remnant Maybe I should say the Israelite, the true Israelite, is only still a remnant. And that's what we're experiencing in America today. There is only this small remnant of people who are true Christians. Ezekiel chapter 5. Thus says the Lord God, I'm at verse 5. 
This is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. She has changed my judgments into wickedness, more than the nations, and my statutes more than the countries that are round about her. For they have refused my judgments and my statutes, and they have not walked in them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you multiplied more than the nations that are round about you and have not walked in my statutes, neither have kept my judgments, neither have done according to the judgments of the nations that are round about you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I even I am against thee and will execute judgments in the midst of thee in the sight of the nations. Did I lose you? No. Oh, okay. No. Acquiesce with yes. this. To remain at rest, a sense now obsolete, 1650s. Agree tacitly, concur from French, acquiesce to yield or to agree to be at rest. Now, heavy on that yield word. From Latin, acquisire, become quiet. Boy, that's us. Remain at rest. Repose. Thus, be satisfied with. Be content. To become quiet. To rest. Boy, you nailed it with that word, Doug. That's Um, America, isn't it? Yeah, and here's the 1828 dictionary definition of acquiesce. To rest satisfied, or apparently satisfied, or to rest without opposition and discontent, usually implying previous opposition, uneasiness, or dislike, but ultimate compliance or submission as to acquiesce in the dispensations of providence. Well, that would be a a good thing if America was acquiescing in submission to the dispensations of providence. But, of course, we just read in Ezekiel that was not the case. Definition two, to assent to upon conviction as to acquiesce in an opinion. That is, to rest satisfied of its correctness or propriety. Let me read that one again. Okay. To assent to, assent to upon conviction as to acquiesce in an opinion, that is, to rest satisfied of its correctness or propriety. Do you, do you, does the the husband-wife relationship come to mind? And you know as well as I do, or any relationship, I guess, but particularly the husband-wife relationship. There is a time to acquiesce, 
And then there's a time not to acquiesce. And that time not to is not comfortable, is it? And you know, you know what is going to happen when you stop acquiescing. There's going to be conflict. And you best be ready. But you know it has to it has to be addressed. The acquiescence has to stop at some point, doesn't it? Or the relationship yep. cannot survive. Am I exactly. right? You're correct. And similarly, Christianity cannot be compromised, acquiesced, or submitted without opposition. You see, because... In order to understand the commission that God gave his people Israel to be the blessing to the world, to and this is why that part of everything about the biblical story is so important, and certainly the story of Israel. And which is why, you know, we started to revisit Hosea and get back into the final chapters, you know, or the rest of the chapters, I I guess I should say, because we're really not in the final chapters. Um, But not understanding this makes the people incapable of understanding why they are not to acquiesce and that it has to get ugly in order to Better. Bring the bring the dominion into submission. It wouldn't have to be ugly in order to bring the dominion under submission, but it is because the created do not like being dominionized by the creator. They've got their own thing going on in their head about what it means or what it should be in order to be dominionized into a society. And it's interesting that one of the first things you started talking about was analog, analogous, digital currency, etc. Because the reason I say it's interesting is because I could not get my mind in Hosea, but I, I think, had another double witness to what really needed to be discussed, and that was the essence of money. I suppose I may not be the guy to try to teach people about the essence of money, And there are many that would probably think, well, this is a really dumb topic or this is a really, you know, uh, I know what money is or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there, I think that there's, there's something to this and it's a big part of why we're, where we're at and what the next phases of acquiescence are going to be. Mm-hmm. 
And to not understand what we did in acquiescing to those first encroachments upon our sensibilities with regards to money and the transactions of of the society as it pertains to money, we're really in the biggest pickle of our lifetimes because of that lack of understanding. And why would it be any other way? We don't understand anything, perhaps. You know, many don't understand very much about the Bible at all, much less, you know, Mm -hmm. his intention for the creation and what happens to a people who become devoid of his divine immutable laws but so that was actually on my mind I had one person say to me Usury, 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 basically. I don't understand. I don't understand what you mean. Why don't you say what you mean? What is it? I don't understand. And then another person cornered me and says, You've, I've heard you talking about you know, not being in the stock market and usury and so forth. And he says, well, you know, what do you do with your money? And, I, you know, is that a double witness? Yes. <laughs> well, let, me, People, let me answer that question real quick, Doug. <laughs> what do you do with your money? You convert <laughs> it into something of value quickly <laughs> because it is completely worthless. In and yeah. of itself. Yeah. You know, well, I'm in Ezekiel and, and, and chapter 7, verse 19. We are told that they shall cast their silver in the streets and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. It is the stumbling block of their iniquity. The essence of money. What is money? Has become again. a for their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. So their law breaking uh, iniquity is a a law breaker, isn't it? Yes. No equity. Yes. And this has become an occasion or the reason that they're stumbling, right? Okay. Yeah, but but you know we're talking about gold and silver because in 20 it says, as for the beauty of his ornament, he set it in majesty, but they made the images of their abomination and of their detestable things therein. Therefore, have I set it far from them. 
I will give it into the hands of the strangers for a prey and to the wicked of the earth for a spoil, and they shall pollute it. Now, does that not describe what we are seeing? We have billionaires. We have billionaires out here, right? Uh I will give it into the hands of strangers for a prey and to the wicked of the earth for a spoil. So has not the wealth of God's people Israel in Europe and America, is it not in the hands of strangers? Absolutely. And to the wicked wicked of the earth right now? If it's it's Mm -hmm. not in the hands of the righteous, then it's in the hands of the wicked. Mm Mm-hmm. That's very insightful of you to find that scripture. Because it is the truth. You know, 30 years ago, I learned about Article 1, Section 8, and Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. And I found out that it was not being abided with. So I sent a letter to an attorney, and I asked him if Article 1, Section 8, and Article 1, Section 10 were still binding on the Congress and the states. And the response was, yes, it is. However, um, now I'm going to draw a blank on how he said it. Um, A debt expressed in paper currency is enforceable, is basically how he, he said it. Okay. So then I wrote the... Attorney General of the United States, and I asked, is Article 1, Section 8 binding on the state or on the the Congress? And he responded that, yes, it was. However, Congress has declared paper money, legal tender for all debts, public and private. Well, it told me the Constitution was still violated because Congress can't declare something that's unconstitutional. And so I set on a course to change that and to redirect people's minds to biblical money. And the price was paid. But if you consider for a moment and ask yourself the question, what is money? And I put that question out many times in my workshops. What is money? Anybody want to take a stab at 
What is money? It's really not a trick question, but it's something that we rarely think about in a definition of what is money. I'm not talking about, you know, if you were to write the Federal Reserve and say, what is money? Uh, they'll tell you it is very good, Jordan. They'll tell you it's it's M1. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but Jordan Jordan has joined us, and Jordan got it right off the bat and sent me a note into the chat and said it's a medium of exchange. That's not exactly totally correct. The real definition of money is it is a cancellation of debt. If I go to Jordan and say, I'd like a shovel, Jordan says, here's a shovel. I say, what do you want for that shovel? He says, two rakes, rakes and a pitchfork. And if I give Jordan two rakes and a pitchfork for his shovel, my debt for the shovel has been paid. Agreed? Mm -hmm. If Jordan tells me I want $5 for the shovel, we have to establish what is $5 in this medium of exchange in this cancellation of the debt. Jordan wants the debt for the shovel canceled. By a medium of exchange. Which is why I have to ask Jordan, what does he want for the shovel? And that therefore is the medium of exchange that we're going to discuss, but the cancellation of the debt is what happens with the money. So money is the instrument by which we cancel a debt. Really not very complicated, is it? No. But it is, it is interesting, though, that they call it a promise. You know, it's a promise written down on paper that that it's good. I guess that it's that it's able to cancel the debt. That you have exactly. the means to back it up. Right. So, so when you write on your currency that this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private, <clears throat> that has value. As long as Jordan is willing to receive those he knows that he can take that $5 and he can go to Russell and buy a printed 
hat to keep the sun off of his head. Because Russell also is is accepting that debt cancellation medium of exchange or instrument for the medium of exchange. And so there is the essence of money. But we have allowed money manipulators and economists and so forth to manipulate us into quiet acquiescence while they steal the wealth of a people. And this goes on and on and on and on and on over and over and over and over again over the millennials. Millennials. When the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Let's go there. Genesis 47:15. You know, when when someone doesn't understand what usury is and they want me to talk in plain language, I'm trying to talk in plain language, but sometimes you just have to wonder if there isn't a resistance to wanting to learn more than there is not understanding because there becomes an obligation once you learn. And the obligation is that you're now therefore obligated to tell somebody else. And so it's much easier not to learn, therefore you feel less inclined to have an obligation. Genesis chapter 47, verse 15 When the money failed in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money fails. Well, why did the money fail? The gig was up. Uh, They realized the scam, I guess. You have to believe in the money for it to work. And when you lose confidence in that medium, it doesn't work anymore. But what are, how are we defining money right here? Are we defining it well, in gold and silver? Um, no, not... You mean right here in Scripture in Genesis? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. No, well, not at this time. No, not at this time. And, and we're going to see something as, as we explore it. When the money failed in the land of Egypt, Joseph said, give your camel, excuse me, Um, Joseph said, give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if the money fails. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for the cattle of the herds and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. 
When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from you, my Lord, how that our money is spent, my Lord. Also has our herd of cattle, there is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before your eyes, both we and our land? By us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians, sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even unto the other end. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt and to the other end. And as for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt into the other. <laughs> Shall I keep reading it? Yeah. But it I sure should. sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Money fails when voluntary trade slows or ceases. Availability or scarcity of resources, priorities and objectives, times, usefulness, or applicability, they're all functions of the failure of money. So money... Whatever it was in Egypt and Canaan had no value in relation to that which was needed to sustain life. And in this case, it was grain. And that's actually substantiated by what is said in 16 and 17. Voluntary trade... Repeat that. Money fails when? You gave four examples. Yeah. Money fails when voluntary trade slows or ceases. Money fails when availability or scarcity of resources occurs. Money fails when priorities and objectives change. And money fails when time, usefulness, or applicability change. They're all functions of the failure of money. And, and so, and you use the word change several times, and that's what they're they're pleading in their little marches. It's time for change. Mm-hmm. Because they know what prior, they know prior, what happens. Yeah, priorities and objectives. 
So if those priorities and objectives change, then you can see a slowing of voluntary trade or a ceasing of voluntary trade. Now, I want you to think of what happened to us in the last year with this pandemic. That was a voluntary slowing and ceasing of trade. It created scarcity of resources and availability. So now everybody's sitting here with the fat word on their lips, inflation. And it used to be thought by most who didn't think about it very much, quite frankly, that inflation was the result of just printing too much money. But one of the things I learned early on about money was that the money itself, all of the people in the, in the 80s that I knew who were talking about Article 1, Section 8 and Article 1, Section 10, were all advocating that there is a 100% redeemable requirement of your paper currency to be redeemable in gold and silver. That's what we've got to do is we've got to get back to a gold and silver standard. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself because this thing about money is not something that we should just brush lightly over and just say, you know, I guess one could say, well, you know, gosh, if you've got to talk about money for a couple of hours or three or four or two or three fellowships, then Obviously, money must be a lot more complicated than than you're leading on. You know, in my first statements, it's not complicated. Um, it's not complicated. However, what has happened to society the world over, over the millenniums, is a little bit more complicated. So if you want to understand the situation that you're in, you need to have a little bit more of an understanding of history in order to understand why you're where you're at, because we all know history repeats itself. So since we now, the functions of the failure of money, we need to look at a few other principles. Future output is a fundamental principle in ascertaining an individual's value or the value of a tool. So if I'm digging ditches with a shovel and Jordan comes along and he drives up with a backhoe and says, I can dig that ditch in an hour and that guy's going to be here for four weeks. Who do you think they're going to want to dig the ditch? So since future output is a principle in ascertaining an individual's value or the value of a tool, that's going to be important. And that's what we do as we modernize, 
as we grow with technology and so forth. So there's more to be said there, but I don't want to, you know, completely get ahead of myself there. I want to stay on this point with the gold and silver for a, a moment. And there's more that needs to be said on this, but let me just say this. Is it, let me ask this question, is it actually possible for money to be 100% redeemable in gold and silver? In other words, the government can only print what it has available if it's going to use paper currency. It can only print what it has available in gold or silver. So if it says, okay, we're going to have 10 U.S. notes being equivalent to a quarter ounce of gold or a half ounce or whatever the denomination, because coining money and regulating the value thereof requires somebody to do something. Coin money and regulate the value. So we have to provide money for the use in the society and we have to regulate its value. And I want everybody to understand why debt-free money is essential and why it is that way according to God. So by doing so, I could throw out a half a dozen scriptures in the Bible with regards to usury. And I could just push back and say, well, there you have it. It's straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. It's right out of the word of God. But you know, there's a funny thing that happens with men. I guess they don't really believe God. Because we often find ourselves acquiescing to everything but God, just like in a pandemic, because somebody is trying to convince us that somebody else is smarter than God and knows what we're supposed to put in our bodies. The total money in circulation in the United States is about $2.5 trillion. So in other words, everywhere in the United States that there's a Federal Reserve note circulating in circulation, it's about $2.5 trillion. Worldwide currency in circulation is about 268 trillion dollars. So I did myself a little research the other day and I pulled up some interesting statistics. And I'd like to share them with you. Uh, 
one ton of gold at current value is about $40 million, plus or minus. The U.S., by the records that you can find, is in possession of about 8.25 tons of gold. The International Monetary Fund has about 90 million troy ounces, which represents about 2.8 metric tons. Germany, 3.5 metric tons. Italy, 2.5, and France, 2.5. And China, 1.9, Russia, 1.8, Switzerland, 1.1, Japan, 765, and Netherlands about 615 and India about 560. So this is the current holdings of gold at any one time of these 10 nations. Jewelry takes up about 85,000 of the world world holdings of gold so that so in other words these are these are country holdings and then there are world holdings which include central banks investment banks industrials and and other entities such as jewelry makers and so forth so the world holdings were about 200,000 plus or minus and the jewelry was about 85,000 investment bank Bars and coins were about 35,000. Central banks, 32,000. Industrial, about 25,000. In 2018, production of gold, the number one producer was China. Now, the number one producer up until about the mid-70s was Africa. And China is now the number one producer, 404 tons. Australia follows at 319, Russia at 297, the U.S. at 222 tons. Canada at 190, Peru at 158, Indonesia at 137, and South Africa at 130. And actually, I think that Africa was the main producer up until just about 14 or 15 years ago. I think it was in the early 2000s. And so all the nations of the world have about 35,000 tons of gold reserves. So the question becomes, because I've I've done this before, and, and I don't mean to make this complicated. Um, 
at all. I, I'm hoping that by having the discussion, it it brings to picture, I guess, in people's minds um, a little bit more about it so they can understand what's happening to them. Because the usury part of it is not insignificant. It It, it is the thing that they need fully understand. So if you have $2.5 trillion in the U.S. in circulation and $26.8 trillion in circulation worldwide, if all of that money were to be in circulation, were to be uh, desired to be changed into gold or, or silver even, at par, whatever that denomination was, there would simply not be enough gold. In fact, gold goes into more things in manufacturing today besides just jewelry. India India is one of the preeminent countries that puts the vast majority of the gold that they have into jewelry. Um, it's not uncommon for dowries and wedding uh, marriage dowries and so forth to include um, much gold jewelry. Now, that gold jewelry can all be sold, you know, and they can exchange it for whatever it is that is going to make them happier than the jeweler or the jewelry. So that's just a little bit, um, if you look at the silver side of it, uh, Mexico and Peru and China are at the top. Peru produces 120 tons, Poland 100, Mexico 90. Um, uh, wait a minute, I've got, I wrote something different on that one. The silver is Peru at 91,000, Australia at 88,000, Poland at 70,000, Russia at 45,000, China at 41, and Mexico at 37, with the U.S. producing 27,000. And so it's not physically possible. And this is one of the first things I learned as I was dealing with the understanding that I came to that the Constitution was being violated. I understood that it was impossible for a 100% redeemable currency in gold or silver. At the time, there was probably only, you know, a certain amount of tons of gold that had ever been produced in the entire world. And if you think about it, the scripture that we're talking about in Genesis has nothing to do with gold or silver there, does it? And the, the point is, when you think about all the gold that's ever been mined in the world over the millenniums, You've got to understand we're mining a whole lot more gold and silver today than ever was done in the five, six, or seven thousand or five, six, or seven millenniums prior to our current millennium. So I hope that part of it makes sense that it would be impossible for us to redeem the money for gold and silver coin 
And I know that's going to take the wind out of a lot of the sails of those who listen to archives and are going to think that I'm completely cracked. And this patriotic notion of getting back to the gold and silver standard is going to be their utopia. And Russell, you and I, we heard it for years, didn't we? Uh-huh. But just logically thinking this through, we have to realize that that certainly was not possible 30 years ago. And it's not any more possible today. Um, Let me pull up the U.S. debt clock. And U.S. debt clock shows uh, I guess it's not going to refresh my page. There it comes. There it comes. Slow but sure. All right. So um, as we've had a little bit of discussion, the U.S. national debt alone Remember I said that there's $2.5 trillion in circulation in the United States and $26.8 trillion worldwide in circulation. I want you to consider the entire United States national debt is equivalent to the total world currency in circulation, roughly. I mean, actually, U.S. national debt is more. $28 trillion versus the $26.8 trillion that's actually in circulation. So when I look at scriptures like this in Genesis, I I naturally become very curious as to, hmm, okay, what can I learn from what happened here? And what I can learn is that money, just as we came down to the definition, it is, essentially debt cancellation. They needed something that only Egypt had available. And as we know, prior to this, what was Joseph doing? He was preparing for the famine in the land. And he had what was necessary to sustain life. And so he was in a position For those coming to him, they were indebted to him for their lives. And he wound up owning everything for the pharaoh of Egypt because of the preparations and the plans that he had made. Now, can we understand why God did what he did to the Pharaoh in Exodus when Joseph had followed a biblical model of preparation and planning and so forth and brought all this wealth to Egypt 
Now does it really make sense to us? See, we, we read these stories, and they're just stories to us. But I submit that they're more than just stories. I look at it and say, man, how God was already working and was going to destroy that wicked Pharaoh for thinking that he had somehow acquired all that wealth on his own or by his own devices. And what was going on in the land of Egypt is there was a drought. And money could not provide them a crop. They could have bought seed. What good would the seed do? It won't grow. There's a drought. It couldn't even produce a future crop because of the duration of the famine. And that duration of the famine was totally unknown to them. Circumstances and activity. Death was a distinct and real possibility due to starvation. And what is more valuable to those unprepared for the famine to sustain life? Was the money more valuable to them or was the sustenance necessary to sustain life? That's why the money failed. The money was worthless. Just as God says that he was going to do with the money of Israel is they were going to toss it in the street. Maybe they'll pave the roads with it. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, in the day of God's wrath, we'll all be surprised if we don't take his word literally in many instances where it should be taken literally. It's obvious that at this point in Egypt and that point in time, the grain has greater value than money because there's nothing available to buy with it. So what should you do? Should you melt your your gold and silver down and make an earring or an object of worship? No, you might receive the word of availability of something in some other location. And having what you have, you may be able to trade it and sustain life and bring seed to your future generations that they will be able to continue in life. So Joseph did what he had to do. He said, well, bring me your cattle, bring me your sheep, And so basically, if one can just survive the famine, he can repurchase livestock from his future earnings or his production. 
if he's dead, his livestock has no value to him. As long as he's alive, the livestock can produce. Now, some might say, well, why didn't they just eat the livestock? On answering that question right now for you. The livestock has value. And if that livestock can also be retained during the duration of the famine, the livestock can be repurchased. And that's what they did. They sacrificed the livestock for the grain and so forth. And you must understand that it wasn't all of their livestock. I'm sure that over time, it became all of the livestock until there was nothing left of their livestock. And then they gave up their land and then they were moved to the cities. And that's what I see these, what the wealthy do and what they are doing is they create all this agitation and everything. And it's all a smoke screen to actually what's going on behind the scenes. Because, you know, I, 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 I never watched that movie Wall Street, but then somebody told me that I've got to watch it. And I did. And and when I watched it, you know, the one line in there which says, you know, why do you have to wreck it? And the guy says, because it's wreckable. You see, that's the way they view things. It's wreckable, and they know what to do to rebuild upon the ruins. And that's what they do. That's what they enjoy. The rest of us just live our lives and we're happy to raise children and teach them right and wrong and and go on to live lives of their own and raise their children. And, and this is just how we serve one another in service to one another. But that's not the way they tick. They tick differently. They like to see how much they can acquire and how much that, that they can gain at the misery of others, basically. And they do it without any compunction whatsoever. They just, that's just the way their nature is. <laughs> and yeah. so from our earliest you know, recorded example, God has given us you know, unique insight to a basic economic model. He used Joseph to administer the model, showing us economic value or monetary proportions and properties must be highly visible. They've got to be useful or recognizable. It must have sustainability. It must be durable, unaffected by the elements. It must be accessible or portable. It has to be portionable, meaning it can be measured or divided out. 
It has to have a certain amount of limited availability, scarce in relationship to available volume or weight. These are the fundamental principles of money. But just looking at it on the simple basis that it's a cancellation of debt, now we should really be able to ask ourselves some other very serious questions. Has the United States of America canceled its debts? Because if we print money for the purpose of paying our debts, why aren't the debts paid? Russell, when you acquire money for goods or services produced, yes. you plan to do something with the money. And the Absolutely. first thing you plan to the first what is the first thing you plan to do with the money? Find something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really sad that you said that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Then, of course. <laughs> Go ahead. After that, I look around and see if I owe anybody anything and then I pay them. And if there's right. any left over that, I try to convert it into something else besides money. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing is that the, one of the first things that we do is we, in our individual households, we're, not everybody does this, but the first thing you're doing is you're supposed to be paying the debts. So uh-huh. you, you get T-shirts from somebody, you pay the debts. You get printer materials and other things, you pay the debts. And actually, I submit, you know, what, which is why I said, what is the first thing you do? And you said, first you find something to eat. But I think the first thing that we all are supposed to recognize that we're to do is to pay the debt. But we've been taught in this world here that the first thing for us to do is to not pay the debt. We can kick the can of debt down the road. And it starts with a simple thing such as a mortgage or an auto loan for the youth and so forth. And that's the first thing that we do is we kick that can of debt down the road instead of making it the first thing that we do. Because when your money comes in, you are supposed to cancel your debts. So why does the United States government never cancel its debt? Well, one of the reasons it doesn't cancel its debt and it has U.S. total debt right now is $86 trillion. That's all the total debt. That's not just the federal government. That's Personal debt is about 20 trillion of that 86. So, so, so not to pay your debt, 
That's kind of like a crime, isn't it? Well, not if your society has conditioned you that paying debts are conditional upon you eating or you entertaining yourself and family. So so that's the last thing that gets dealt with. And usually there's nothing left. So you just roll it over. Well, this is why the scripture says the borrower is servant to the lender. So when I have somebody that's... Go ahead. Why is the United States not held accountable for this obscene debt and never repaying? Well, it goes back to that word called acquiesce. Who are we accountable to? We rest satisfied or apparently satisfied and we provide no opposition and no discontent even though we may imply some previous opposition or uneasiness or dislike but ultimately we comply or submit I mean, I just I just gave you it straight from the definition. We rest satisfied or apparently satisfied or rest without opposition and discontent. Usually, how do how do we do that as a country when we can't do it individually? In other precisely. words, they they don't uh, you don't pay for your automobile, they come and take it back threaten to destroy your credibility. Um, The house, even when you own it outright, you don't own it outright. Uh, Those are two good examples of weird or unexplainable. You know, what is the American dream, Doug? The American dream is to accept the lie. So the American dream, once you've reached the American dream, you've been 100% vaccinated against the truth. You've accepted, you've accepted the whole big fat lie, haven't you? And at some point, I guess you realize it was just a dream. Well, speaking of a dream, speaking of a dream, you remember Joseph's dream? Let's read about it. Where is it? Uh, Let's see. Way back. No, um... Yeah, it it will be. um, 
Okay, Joseph was brought before Pharaoh in 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 forty one. Um, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou can understand a dream to interpret. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came out of the river seven kind, uh, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came out after them, poor and very ill-favored, and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And in the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as of the beginning. So I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came in one stalk, full and good, and behold, seven ears withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind when it sprung up after that. And nine ears devoured the seven good ears, and I told this unto the magicians, that there was none that could declare it to me. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what is about to do. He is about what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty years blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he shows unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine that follows, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, set him over the land of Egypt, let Pharaoh do this, let him appoint officers over the land, take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the city and that the food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. Well, this thing pleased Pharaoh, and he made Joseph ruler. So, Joseph's dream and those interpretive insights gave Pharaoh the information that he needed to anticipate a famine and to plan for a famine and to survive for a famine, or to survive a famine, and even to prosper from a famine. The vast majority of people in America have not anticipated a famine. They have not planned for a famine. They cannot survive a famine, and they certainly will not prosper from a famine. Pharaoh 
in this case, the civil administrator Joseph, he didn't create money in order to prosper from a famine. They only administered the simple economic action of those individuals who needed what they possessed. So simply by anticipating, planning, providing it, and prospering from it, and this is why you see all the financial newsletters will always go out there and they'll tell you, they're, they're, they're telling you to anticipate a financial crisis. They're telling you to plan for a financial crisis. Mm-hmm. They're telling you how to survive a financial crisis. And they want you to believe that you can prosper from the crisis if you'll follow them into the gold and silver markets. And that was not what happened in the land of Egypt. And it's not what we learn in Ezekiel chapter 7. See, their grain became as money, but only as for a single commodity for those in the vicinity of the famine. People outside of the famine-stricken area would not see Pharaoh's grain as so valuable. But those within that region, that was very significant. And the event was so significant that the Bible records for it, it says when there arose another Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, he obviously was also oblivious to the great power and wealth that Egypt had acquired and that was attained. He He must have been a foreigner. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. You know, the key word also you brought up there was proximity. It always matters, doesn't it? It does. An acquisition of wealth. And so the greatness of this land of Egypt and this new Pharaoh who knew not God, knew not Yahweh, knew not what had been done, God showed him. And why do we in America think of ourselves as this great country who knows not God anymore? Oh, I know they profess it. But, you know, the Bible is replete with examples where God said, I know you say that you love me. I know that you say that you worship me. I even know your oblations. I even know your prayers. I even know all these things. But I have to admit, he says, that not only do you not know me, you don't even acknowledge me and accept my laws, statutes, and judgments. So how can you say you know me?
So, everything that they had was consumed, buying grave. It couldn't be used for their needs. And this is the thing I'm trying to share with people is that, you see, if you've got your money in the stock market, yeah, I guess you can take it out whenever you want. But I'm trying to express to people the usury aspect of the stock market. There are people that say, look, this is business. The Bible is talking about usury as it pertains to your brother. If your brother be poor by thee, lend to him not upon usury. Well, I thought America as a nation of the people of God, a Christian nation, believing in one God, one Lord, one Christ Jesus, who came to redeem his people and became king over them once again, the only God, then if this is the case, these are my brethren. Even the strangers that are within us, the Bible gives us specific parameters of how we're supposed to treat them. The monetary value was being determined by the economic needs of those in the need based on the prioritization of those needs. So therefore, it was subjective. And there's not always an equality of exchange. What serves as or constitutes money or a medium of exchange must be that which is durable, divisible, portable, has acceptability, and is just scarce enough that people desire it, people want it, people willing to change, exchange it. Capital, capital's value is determined by the future output or the future production which the capital produces. And the capital diminishes available monetary storehouses. So when I'm sitting here with excess money after the debts are paid, I should be putting that money to work. Now, I could buy stocks and put my money at usury, expecting somebody else to give me a rate of return for me doing nothing in exchange for that. I, I can do that. But then that requires Russell and Jordan and Jeremiah and Rich and others to pay so many more cents on a dollar to buy the widget or the toilet paper or the eggs and the milk and the butter because this company over here who is looking for capital says, well, if you'll give me capital, I'll give you a rate of return. But they don't care 
that you're going to just be adding that burden to your own brethren. They ought to care. But when you create a corporation, the corporation is no longer a human being. And that is a whole other subject aspect of money. So money doesn't need to be forcibly you know, created, so to speak, by a civil administration in order to exist. Money is marketable. It increases production. It increases availability. It attributes to the division of labor, the resources, and increasing of options. And it's highly adaptive. And it has, you know, economic calculations. And those are all things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Now, maybe this is something that nobody needs to hear. Maybe this is something that most people think, well, this is really stupid, you know. But I guess when I tend to want to talk about something, I I tend to want to, you know, broaden it up than just giving you, you know, five and ten words and and that's kind of the end of the matter. Maybe I'm inept in that way and I don't know how to do it in a better way or a, a, a simpler way. But I think it's it's a topic that, that is more involved. It, it, it has a simplicity, as I say. If all we were to learn from this particular fellowship is what is money? You know, Jordan said right off the bat, you know, that it's a medium of exchange that, you know, was partially right. But it's not just a medium of exchange. It's actually the canceling of a debt. That is the function, and that is what money is. Money is canceling a debt that you intend to incur with somebody else for goods, services, or otherwise. And to me, that's one of the most fundamental things to be understood. If it's a cancellation of debt, then why aren't the debts being canceled? And then this goes to the biblical thing, the biblical law of God, which says, all deaths are to be canceled every seven years, and there is to be a jubilee year of release after seven sevens of years for the 50th year jubilee. Debt has to be canceled. So, the essence of money, part one. <laughs> I, so, hey, I got a good idea how you can get a big audience on part two. Uh, tell us how to acquire money without working so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that you reckon that, that big audience. 
that it probably would get a big audience, and I, I I have to do some real research on that into some government <laughs> programs and stuff, I guess, in order to uh-huh. know where all the free money is. But yeah, and you raise a good point because there's guys out there that write books on how to get free money, right? Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. They call me every day. All Let right. Well, that's the. That's part two or part one, I guess. So, um, you know. Um, you want to close this in a prayer, Doug, or do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. I'm with you. Lord, I appreciate you calling this this servant of yours and putting it in his brain to tell us about money. We need to know about money, Lord, and we thank you for this message we heard tonight. Forgive us for stupidity and and ignorance, Lord, and forgive us for our ability to practice iniquity and break your law. Forgive us for it, Lord. We have sinned, and I pray that we correct it and move on. But, Lord, we're learning, and we appreciate it. Thank you for it. And Lord, on a side note, I'm so happy you're a good God and you take care of us. Even though we really do some really stupid things sometimes, Lord. But thank you again for your love, mercy, and grace on us, Jesus. In your holy name I pray, amen. Amen. Father, I, I confirm it. Father, I just thank you for the forgiveness that you provide for our sin. Father, let this message be a blessing to those wherever they are that would hear it for the future messages on this essence of money that we might understand it and that we might have an appreciation for your words in a more profound way to understand exactly what it is that you have so profoundly laid out for us for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I ask you, Father, to lay that blessing on each of us. We continue to learn all that you have for us. Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given me and things you've laid on my heart and in my mind over the years. Write and to pursue and the notebooks and notebooks that you've given me as I sought to understand your word. And Father, forgive me for the sins. Myself, our people, all over the land, we might come back to you our whole heart. I ask these things, Father, and submit this prayer in the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our intercessor. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Well, good night, all. Have a good week, everybody. Good night. All right, you too. Good night. Good night.